Thank you, Lord. Father God, we just thank you for um, the testimonies and everything that was said up here. So the praise and worship, Lord, is so powerful. There's an anointing when we're united together in one. Um, And I just ask, Lord, this morning that you would use me as your vessel to share the message that you desire. And Lord, it would bring um, understanding, would bring um, wisdom and knowledge to our hearts so that we could walk closer to you, represent you better, be more effective, be more powerful in your kingdom, that we would see an effective uh, ministry in our hearts and in our lives to affect those around us. And we just give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You know, I just want to say a little bit about Lawrence also. Uh, what an amazing, amazing um, event that was yesterday. And to see uh, the body of Christ come together and give of themselves and share of their time and talent and treasure, as well as just service. You know, there was so much service going on here, so much hard work that went on. But it was so such a blessing, you know, and we, we weren't really sure how many people were going to come. And so we, uh, Waipuna Chapel blessed us and paid for the chairs. We rented chairs and we like had 130 chairs and we set up our tents out there. And when the, the height of the party was going on, or not the, the, the celebration of life, I looked, everybody was sitting down and everybody was underneath the tent. So there was, uh, it was, there was more than enough chairs and there was more than enough food. In fact, we're going to have some food after the service today. And it was an amazing um, celebration for Lawrence. And like I kept saying about him, and I'll say it again, that Lawrence was like an onion where there's multiple levels or, or layers to him. And even posthumously, after his passing, he still astounded me. Because when did you ever see a convoy like that on the island? When did you ever see that many people respond? That's the first uh, funeral that I've seen or celebration of light with that many people, you know, uh, attending. And um, just the impact that he left. And he was such a quiet, humble person. He never drew attention to himself, but he was always smiling. He, you know, and even his name, that's what his name is, the bright, shining one. You know, that was what Lawrence means. And uh, I just want to say, I want to thank this church for everybody and all the work that came together to make that a reality, because I believe it was a great display in the community of when the body of Christ works together to get something done. So I commend the church, and I'm so pleased when that takes place. Amen. All right. Well, uh, this morning, I want to talk, you know, Pastor Gretchen, last week, uh, we were really busy with the, man, with the men uh, thing that we did out there. And so she took up the mantle to uh, bring a word. And I go, oh, yeah, that's a good, a good way to go or a good place to um, just go from there. But so it's about keys again. You know, it's about keys. And keys are important. You ever lose your keys? Man, you're... You get pretty frantic when you lose your keys, man. I remember, you know, years ago that I was surfing at Hokipa and I had my, my keys in my shorts and I went out there and then I, I, I was done and I was realized I get to the car, my truck, and I got no keys. And I'm like, oh, no. And so I paddle back out and I tell my, my friend Brian Naoli, I said, hey, Brian, I got no keys, man. And he goes, he could care less. He was surfing, man. So, so he kept surfing. I'm like, wow, what a guy, man. 
And so I, back then there was no phone in, I mean, nobody had cell phones and it was a long, I had to hitchhike into Paia and call my sister and bring my keys over there and unlock my truck and we were able to drive home. But Brian was kind of real Hawaiian. He don't let nothing bother him, man. He was this real mellow. And I, I admired that about him. It was really cool. He had a cool spirit about him. But keys are important, man. Without keys, you're not able to do those things that, you know, you have a car. If you don't have your keys, you're not starting your car. You got a house, you're not getting into your house. So keys are very important. In fact, to the favorite church of the Church of Philadelphia, the Lord said to them, he said, um, I've given you the key of David. The key of David. And you're, and you're learning. I still don't have a full understanding of the key of David, but it sounds like an important key. But one of the things that he does say to that church, he says, because you have kept my command to persevere, to go through hardship, when it's not easy, you went through it, you stayed with it, and you did what was required, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the earth to test those who dwell here. So there's keys that God wants us to know. There's keys of knowledge, keys of wisdom and understanding that without those keys, it can become difficult. We can bang our head against the wall. We don't understand why. You know, uh, Knowledge is one thing. To have knowledge is good. But to have wisdom is better, you know, because uh, actually wisdom is the right application of knowledge. You know, I like um, YouTube and I've said this before because I'm a visual person and I, I learn visually. I don't know how many people here learn things visually, but if you want to know how to do a task, you can find it on YouTube and you can figure out mostly anything on YouTube. And so this is knowledge uh, with the application of wisdom of somebody who's done this before you. And as you watch it, you go, I can do that. And there's sometimes when you would, you wouldn't even want to attempt a task because sometimes it requires taking something apart. And the way they put things together is so cryptic that you don't want to risk breaking it, you know, but they show you detail, do this, do this, do this first. And then, okay, that's not too bad. So the steps that are involved in getting a task done in, involve uh, knowledge and then it leads to wisdom that leads to success. Who wants to have a successful Christian walk in the Lord? I think we all do. And we don't want to be banging our head against the wall or walking into things that could be a trap or could be a mess in our life. And it's just like, man, if I would have known how many of us lament, we look over our life. If I only knew, I wouldn't have done that. Part of the process in life is going through stuff. But we should learn from those mistakes. We should learn from those things, those experiences that God has brought in our life so that we don't end up doing the same thing over and over and over. And it's this infinity loop. So knowledge is a key that we need knowledge, right? Knowledge is an important thing. Um, I want to go to the book of Luke right now. And there was some, some uh, scriptures in the book of Luke. This is 11, Luke 11. And there was a few scriptures in here that that jumped out when I was looking at this. And um, Luke 11. First, I wanna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go ahead and then I'm going to go back a little bit. But this is Luke 52. Yeah. This is 1152. See, what this was, was Jesus was um, speaking to the Pharisees and the lawyers. And lawyers in the Bible terms was not necessarily like our lawyers, but they were ones who would 
hash over the law. They would hash over the writings of the scriptures and say, okay, this is the way it's supposed to be interpreted. This is it. And then the Pharisees were that to the minutia. You know, it talks about the things that they would just, you know, really get into. In fact, let me read for context in verse 37, if you can go back a little bit. It says, and he spoke to a certain Pharisee and asked him to dine with him. So he went with him and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed for before dinner. So they were really into these, you know, strict little rules and everything that are not really scriptural. They're just like, there's traditions and they would elevate these things to a high degree. Then the Lord said to him, Now the Pharisees make the outside of the cup and the dish clean, but your inward parts are full of greed and wickedness. God is more concerned about what goes on in our hearts than what goes on on the outside. It says, Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather, give alms of such things as you have, and indeed, all things are clean to you. But woe to the Pharisees, for they tithe mint, rue, and all manner of herbs, and pass justice and the love of God. These they have ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So some people even talk about the fact that Jesus never talked about tithes. He's talking about tithes right there. But he's saying that not to put these things in the wrong priority. He says you should do that. But you also should love mercy and all these other things also. And he says you shouldn't just do one and leave the other undone. Do it all. You know, do the, do the right thing, right? Um, in verse 30, uh, 43, it says, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogue and the greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the graves which are seen and men who walk over them and are not aware of them. And one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us. And he said, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and with yourselves uh, do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you who build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which are said, shed from the foundation of the world may uh, be uh, required of this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished before the altar in the temple. Yes, I say to you that it will be required of you in this generation. Woe to you lawyers for you have taken away the key of knowledge and you did not enter yourselves to those who were in and you hindered. Help us Lord not to be. That basically is describing um, unfruitful religion. It's describing somebody who would just cause, I don't know, just confusion and just like a mess. And then people are seeking for the Lord truly. And then it's being blocked off because of this kind of activity. It's, it's a rebuke, right? But he says, woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the keys of knowledge and you did not enter in yourselves, but those who were entering in you hindered. So this is an important word, right? And then... You think about keys, like I said, keys are important because keys will allow access. And God says, all authority has been given unto me. Everything's been given unto me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the sending of his Holy Spirit that we have authority in the name of Jesus. That we have what's it's called dunamis power, which is the, the generated power of the Holy Spirit. But we also have an authority 
it's called the exosia, which is that God said, he's given us a signet ring, we can do these things because Jesus said so, and we, if we have the right knowledge, and we're operating in according to what the word says, not according to our feelings, but because you said so, you paid the price, and I'm going to lay claim to it. There is authority in that. That's wisdom, right? That's, that's knowledge. But if you don't understand that knowledge, and you get caught into this, well, first you've got to do this, 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 and then you get this list, and there is a sin, there is repentance. I'm not discounting that. The first thing that Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. But all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. We're going to make mistakes along the way. But don't focus, don't let the enemy come in and just hit you and bombard you with the mistakes and your failures and this and that. We should be focused on what is it that God thinks about me? That he calls us the beloved. Beloved. He loves us. And it's, I think for us, like I, you know, I've shared this, I'm stealing this from J.D. Farage. He says, you know, we say, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And you know what? He also likes you. And we're like, whoa, it's kind of shocking. Because we're like, we know ourselves. We know our screw-ups. And God not only loves us, but He likes us. And He calls us beloved. And He wants to confer His blessings upon us. And I think for us... Because of whatever, life and culture and family and just the, the surroundings that we have a lot, that, that's, a, that's a, um, a hard time for us to allow those truths, that, that wisdom of God, that knowledge of what he said to penetrate through us to it become a reality in our lives. It takes a while for that to permeate. It takes discipline because the devil likes to try to sidetrack us or derail us off of that and throw in something that will mess us up and then we're just concentrating. Oh, that's, that's right, I'm just a worm and that's the way it is and I'm always going to be this way. Or am I the only one who thinks that way? Right? No, but we have to say, okay, no. It's not about what, how I feel about it. It's about what Jesus said about this and he paid the price and he says, it says in Romans, if God justifies us, who is he to challenge? Who is anybody else to challenge that? We're justified. We're made righteous in Christ. And the challenge is to have the audacity to say, that's me. That's not somebody else. That's me he's talking about. And to lay claim to that, that knowledge is liberating. That knowledge is empowering. That knowledge is victorious. And that's what we got to do. And we're going to go through, we're going to go through times that that's going to be challenged. It's just the way it is, man. You know, is at the outside here and those of you who've been in this church for any length of time know Mike and Angela Cockett. And we... We're blessed to have them in this church for a while. And uh, in fact, married them right here. Married them. They didn't have the means to do it. So we put together a, a wedding reception and a wedding for them and bought her a dress and bought him a ring and did the whole thing. Rented a tuxedo for him. And I mean, we did it, man. And, and they came. And every time they come back to this church, they come crying. And I was like, what's the problem? She goes, this is the place. This is the, the seed where the seed was planted. You guys don't know how important this church is to us. This is the place where we went from here. And they go, God saved you from us. I go, what do you mean? He goes, we were such a mess that God had to take us out of here because we had so much problems. We had a couple that was living close to us that would come by us daily when they were in there fighting and scrapping. And they go, no, no, this is not how Christians live their life. 
But they did say, they said it was because of you guys following your, your calling because of this church and doing what they did. It was the seed. And every time he comes here, he just weep. Both of them, they're just crying. And it was so amazing that, I mean, her brother was my good friend. He was my best man. And he got, he got saved, but man, something veered off course somewhere. And I said, uh, have you seen Stephen? Because I haven't. You know, the guy's just off the grid right now. Have you seen Stephen? He goes, yeah, but he's so angry, man. And I was bummed to hear that because I love Stephen. And she goes, and, and, and to see Angela now, you see the light of God in her eyes. And I was thinking he would be celebrating with his sister that she's liberated because she was living a life of drugs and just bad. It was bad. And it tripped me out. She said this. I never knew this. She says, I, you were transformative in my life when I was 10 years old when you came to my house with my brother Stephen. And I don't know what I said or what I did. I remember I shared the gospel with her mom way back when. But that made a difference. Our presence of the Lord within us makes a difference for somebody. Aaron just shared with me this morning. He says, Lawrence was the one who really called him into church. He was hanging out over here and Lawrence was coming into church and he tells Aaron, Aaron, what? Let's go to church? And he said he was out there with Manolo and Manolo and I'm out, man. Boom. Before these crazy people call me into church. But Aaron responded and he's another fruit from uh, Lawrence. Hallelujah. Amen. So we all have influence. Lawrence had influence. We got influence on those around us to call them in, to share the truth, to liberate them from the lie of the devil and spinning us around to, to non-productiveness or just nonsense, you know. He loves to keep us in that mess. Let me read this. So we're back to Luke chapter 11. And he says in chapter 11, verse 5, it says, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For the friend of mine has come and, uh, to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, for the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give to you. So this guy is, in, you know, he, he's, he's sleeping in his bed. He's at home. And, you know, at an untimely hour, boom, 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 somebody's knocking. Wow, who's knocking at the door at this hour? He says, hey, I got somebody who came to my house, man. I need some bread. What are you talking? I'm already in bed with my kids. Don't bother me. And he says, I, no, I'm not leaving. I need some bread right now. So he's banging on the door, banging on the door, banging on the door. And this guy's behind his secure wall with his door locked shut. But he says this, and I say to you, verse 8, I say, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because he is persistent, he will rise and give as many as he needs. You know, we have that ability to do that to God. That we can go and knock on his door. Lord, I need this. And maybe it's not the timing right now, but we keep knocking. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. And at some point, the, the door will unlock. Somebody will go to the door, unlock it, and says, okay. And I was looking for some faith in your persistence to keep asking for that. Yes. Amen? Amen? That's a key. There's a key right there. There's a key that we don't give up. That was one of the things that Mike said. He goes, it's about persevering. Mike and Angela, it's about persevering. It's about not quitting when it's hard. It's about not quitting when your marriage is a mess. 
but you had an encounter with Christ, it's about persevering. That's the, that is the promise to the church of Philadelphia. Because you have kept my, my command, you've kept my word and kept my command to persevere, to go through hardship over a protracted length of time, and you did not quit. I will do this for you now. Don't get discouraged when your prayers don't get answered right away. Hang in there. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Keep on desiring. Because he will give to what we're asking. It goes on in verse 9. It says, So I say to you, ask that it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will be given So I say to you, sorry, everyone who will ask receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him it knocks will be open. If a son asks for bread, will any father amongst you will give him a, a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If then you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How many of those, I mean, I know people in here that I want the Holy Spirit. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want it. And it didn't happen right away. Oh, I guess I'm just not qualified for that. You ever felt that? I did. I was in that category. And I said, no, if he said I can have it, I can have it. And I was persistent. And he gave it. He gave the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's powerful. The Holy Spirit is a, is a powerful, powerful friend to come alongside. He's the one who comes. He says he's closer than a brother. He's the paraclete, the one who comes beside us and gives us knowledge, gives us wisdom. He's the one who will teach us. He's the one who strengthens us. He's the one who comforts us in our pain and our suffering. He's the one that we need to get us through these times that we're living right now. If you don't feel that you have the Holy Spirit, or it's like, ask and just ask and keep asking and he will give him you the Holy Spirit amen, amen. persistence persistence in the knocking persistence in the acting you know there, there's some prayers we're praying on our prayer time in the mornings over here man we've been praying for these things for years years I, one of them is the mayor of Haile Miley those of you know who I'm talking about that is a key that is a big key. That's like you, when you go, oh, we've given you the key to Haile Miley, and they hand you this big, you know, uh, key. This is the key. The moment we came to Haile Miley, we met this guy. Gary Wood ended up getting into an accident, and he banged his head, and he ended up in a coma. He was in the, the hospital at Maui Memorial. And... He was loved in this. He's loved in this community. He was helping with the boxing building over there. So Lawrence and Brandy were friends with Gary Wood, very close friends. It says, oh, we want to do a prayer vigil for Gary. And so when we were in the annex building, we had a little group of our church that was there. Some of you might remember. And the Haile Miley boys came in. And, and they were praying for Gary. They're interceding for Gary and came in. And probably, the, I don't know if some of them have been in church before. But, you know. And so after the service, we said, we're going to pray for you guys who came. And we prayed for them. And Pastor Gretchen got a word for Rev. And he was like, whoa. And he says, you are very important. You don't know him. Never met him before. Just, just prophesying. You are important to this community. You're a key to this community. And he was just like taken aback right there. And we've had many prophets and he's come and that word's been over him and over him and over him. Everybody knows Rev. And we're praying that one day that man will get tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. 
that a key of repentance and a key of just longing for something better. We see it in him that he was exposed to this before and he's not who he's meant to be right now. He's supposed to be bigger than this. And he is, but to have his influence be used for the kingdom of God. Wow! I'd like to see that, um, that convoy. And God forbid, I'd rather see the Lord come for him first, you know, in the, in the rapture. But I'm just saying, the amount of people that he knows, the amount of influence that he carries, that he could use for the kingdom. And I pray that that be the case. And the, as well as the highly Miley boys. Just like the one testimony was up here. I'm, you know, I'm the highly Miley boy. That's the rep of this place. They kind of take pride in that. I'm a highly Miley boy. What if you are a man of God in the kingdom of God like your brother Lawrence? Isn't that so much better? It's going to pay eternal dividends. You leave a legacy that people look to you and say, Wow, how did you do that? Because I turned my life over to Christ and I stopped playing games. What a legacy, man. I see that. That's what we pray. You know, it, it would just, I would just like, uh, in, my, in my spirit, I don't know if I'm just thinking it or God put it there, but I see a day when... People say, did you hear what happened in Haile Miley? Did you hear what happened in Haile Miley? I think it's from God. I think it's from God. Nothing we can do, but we can pray. We can ask our God, the Lord, open their hearts. Don't let them be deceived. Let this knowledge soak into their hearts. That they have a place. They're not outsiders. They're not bad. You love them. You died for them, Lord. That's what we want to see. He paid a dear price for his, all of us here. Everybody here, he paid a dear price. And there's so much waiting for us. But it says also in Hosea 6, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. The keys are all in the Bible. The keys are the Word of God. You know, the keys are in the Word. I was talking to John yesterday. And we've become such an instant society. You know, and, and John, we were talking about some study that was being done. And they said, when did this decline take place? With the advent of the iPhone or the, the, the phone, the devil phone that Jeff Ward warned me about years ago. <laughs> When everyone was switching over to smartphones. And, it, and I came in, oh, I got one. He goes, oh, no, you got the devil phone? <laughs> yeah, I got the devil phone. But it steals so much of our time. And it's quick. You want knowledge, boom, boom, boom. I can get facts and figures and this and that. But try and read a book. It's a little harder now because our attention span is shrunk. Anybody find that problem nowadays? It really affects us. This contains knowledge. The Bible contains wisdom. The Bible contains what we need to strengthen us, to fortify us, to give us that path to navigate through difficult times with confidence, with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. That's what we need. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. That we don't have to fear because God is for us. He's not against us. God loves us. He's not angry at us. That He's paid the most dear price. He says, if God would not withhold his son, what good thing would he withhold from you to those who would ask him? 
I mean, that's how we got, we have to remind ourselves and constantly, because situations and things come against us and it derails us off of that thinking and we get wrong thoughts and our wrong knowledge in our brain and the computer is, it's got a glitch. It's like, ah, I reverted back to the glitch again, right? And we just got to know that's not right. Even if it doesn't feel right, if God said it, that's the truth. And we identify with it. Amen? And that's where faith is. Like I said about Lawrence yesterday, I fought the good fight. I fought the good fight. He was a fighter, man. I remember there was a saying on the Haile Miley gym over there. It said, the more sweat in this gym, the less blood in the ring. How much time are we putting into this so that when we get into the beef, that we win the good fight of faith? That when our teeth aren't on the sidewalk, but it's like, oh no, you ain't messing with me, devil. I know who I am in Christ. I know what this says, and I know the authority that I have. Amen? Because I put the sweat in the ring. Now let's do this. Right? And we come against these things that want to bring us down, tear us apart, do damage to us. It says, no, I know who I am in Christ. I have authority. I have keys of authority. I have the keys of David. David, the giant killer, didn't back down. Amen. That, that story, I love that story. I've said it how many times up here. The thing that I love about that story is no, is is. First of all, he's not the chosen one. He's the guy in the background. And his, all his other brothers, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the anointed one here. I'm the one that God would choose. And Samuel, do you got any other kids over here? They, you know, I don't know, man. I'm not seeing the one that the Lord is showing me here. He says, you got this other ruddy kid. He watches the sheep. He probably smells like sheep. You call him in here. Bring him in, and he's, you know, shorter, and he's ruddy. I don't know what that really means. It's, it's kind of red, but I don't know what the application of that is. He's a ruddy-looking kid, you know. Comes in there, pours out the oil. He's the anointed one here. He's going to be the new king. His brothers go to the battle. The Philistine, this giant, this 13-foot-tall giant, his spear was huge, man. I think the point of the spear was like 8 pounds or something. To throw an 8-pound tip of a spear armor, hundreds of pounds of armor. And he goes up and down the lines every day. Come on! Anybody here want to challenge me? You don't have any men that would take this on? Come on! And David comes up with the food, the cheese and the stuff from his dad checking out the battle line. What's up with this? This Philistine challenging everybody and everybody's cowering. He looks at him, it's like like, you know, local style. You look at him, what? And oh, turn over. <laughs> What? <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> I've not seen anything. <laughs> Isn't there a cause here? You do something about it then. He says, I'll take you. What is the king going to do for anybody that kills this guy? This uncircumcised Philistine. Well, number one, you get to marry his daughter and you don't have to pay taxes again anymore. Well, that sounds like a good incentive. So he goes to see the king. What? Well, you're just a kid. And he's been a, a, a warrior since he was a kid. What are you going to do? He says he's challenging our God. He's coming, against, he's coming against our God, this uncircumcised Philistine. I'm going to go after him in the might of my God. And he says, well, good to know you, David. You know, 
You want to try on some armor? Nope, nope. He's five stones, puts them in a bag. And he says he goes out there, and Goliath is standing there with his armor bearer, because his stuff's so heavy. He's out there holding his spear or his sword, or I don't know what. And David comes on the field, and the giant's like, what is this? This is a joke, man. Am I a dog that you're coming out with a stick and some stones? What kind of, what is this? He's probably looking at the army. This is the best you got. And as, he's, and as he's, he's rebuking him or he's just assaulting him with his tongue, David says, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine, to come against my God? And, and he goes, oh, really? You, you, he's this ruddy thing and he's going he's gonna to challenge me. So the giant's like moving towards him. David didn't wait. He runs. He puts his, his stone in it and runs upon him and boom, hits him right between the eyes and drops him right there. <laughs> and they rout the Philistine army at that point. He knew his authority. The book of Revelation says that he's given you the keys of David. The keys of David. The word David, good name. It means beloved. The beloved. Isn't that what God calls his church? You're my beloved. I've given you this. I've given you this. Conferred this upon you. Is there anybody who's going to take me up on the challenge? That's going to say, let's try this out. If God is for me, who can be against me? Amen? I'm getting encouraged preaching this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go find a giant, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If God be for us, who can be against us? Let me, I love this scripture. I love to bring this scripture in encouragement to somebody who maybe stumbled into something, did something. I was like, no, I shouldn't have done that, man. I, I, I feel all guilty and I'm going to hide, you know, for a month. And then maybe I'll feel worthy to come in the presence of the Lord, you know. That the knowledge that we need is that God loves you. He accepts you. He loves us so much, he don't want us to stay the same way we are. He's given us the power to transform our thinking. Repentance means change your thinking, but any thinking change changes behavior. Right? Amen? In closing, I want to read this encouraging scripture in Romans 5, or Romans 4, 5. It says, but to him, talking about grace talking about the truth that we're saved by, talking about David living by this rule in the day of the law. But he got this because he was intimate with the Lord. He had understanding of who the Lord was. He says, but to him who does not work, does not do religious works, but believes, he has faith on him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. That is, don't even go there to think this is an excuse to just do bad and be, no. He's saying, this is the power that has the power to break sin and the cycle of sin in our lives right here. This truth has that power. This is, this is a key. This was a key in my life. When, this, when I came to the rest, because it says, to him who doesn't work and believes on him who justifies the greatest saint in the world. 
It doesn't say that. It says the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Because we know what we've done. We know what we're capable of doing. But that don't matter. As long as they say, Lord, I love you, and I esteem what you've done for me, and that's what I'm aiming at. He says, you're good. You're good right now. Just stay in that line. Stay in that, in that vein. Amen? Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. That's where the blessing lies. That's where the key is right there. If you can get that in your, if we can get that in our spirit and on an increasing level. We increase in authority. We increase in power. We increase in keys in the use of those things. We have more dominion. Amen. Lord, help us.